there's a, a vast difference between um, somebody who is doing uh, airport trips, so driving back and forth, dropping passengers off at, at an airport, um, and somebody who's going up and down Broadway doing like very short haul trips. Um, so um, the the frequency uh, of a claim might be higher uh, in the city um, doing those short trips, but the severity is likely going to be lower because of the um, the the speeds that they're driving at. Um, and it's the inverse with somebody who's doing the airport trips uh, on a freeway. So I'm super pleased today to have a friend of mine and uh, transplant to the Hartford area, uh, Douglas Vermont. He is the co-founder and CEO of Stable Insurance. Welcome, Douglas. Hey, Josh. How you doing? I'm well. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, thanks. Uh, glad to have you on. And so um, I know you're you're a busy guy. And so, uh, you know, maybe we'll jump right into it. And if you could just uh, let us know kind of your background and how you got to where you are today with Stable. Yeah, so I got started uh, with Stable uh, kind of through a winding path. So I'm not not a part of the insurance industry originally. Um, started in in more of the financial services uh, sector, kind of working in fintech before it was really fintech. Uh, so this is like early aughts. Uh, we were doing automation for. Um, different processes for trust departments. Somehow I decided it was a good idea to go to law school. Uh, so I ended up spending uh, three years out in Newark at Seton Hall, uh, got a law degree and uh, ended up working for a company called Mercer, which is one of the um, uh, subsidiaries of Marshall McLennan. Uh, so while I was there, uh, about five years, um, I did um, uh, IP due diligence, data security law. So most of my legal career was kind of touching upon technology. Um, but at, at during my career as a lawyer, I kind of realized I did not want to be a lawyer. So I was actively searching for ways to get out of that uh, industry. Uh, and one of the things a friend and I just started up as kind of a side gig was a fleet of vehicles in New York City. Um, so we would purchase vehicles, uh, put them on rideshare networks like Uber and Lyft and Via, uh, Juno at the time, uh, an older rideshare company in New York City. Uh, no longer active, but um, rent them out to drivers. And we saw it as kind of like a, a cash flow scheme or passive income scheme. We realized very quickly it was a lot of work. So we were constantly having to go pick up vehicles, chase people for money, um, a lot more work than we kind of anticipated. So early on, we started building some technology around onboarding drivers, uh, being able to have drivers hand off the vehicle to whomever was going to rent it next, schedule the maintenance, maintenance, things like that. Um, and at the time, I think this was like 2015, uh, maybe late 2014, Uber really opened up their um, their databases. Uh, so thing, you could get things like driver scores, uh, trip data, earnings data, if a driver would allow you to get that. So we started using that for like credit modeling uh, to determine whether or not we actually wanted to rent a vehicle out to somebody to hopefully get rid of some of the issues that we were coming across. Um, and so we, we use that to pretty good effect. Um, and then as we tried to scale that business up, because we, it, it was a great ROI on it. Um, and we, we were like, well, can we get out of our jobs and really use this as a startup, even though it's pretty asset heavy, not your typical type of startup. Um, we had some investors come in that were like, 
what you guys have built would be more interesting from an insurance aspect than really trying to invest in in all of these hard assets. And in fact, like when you guys go through your risk factors, the top thing you've you've kind of picked out uh, as a problem for you as you scale is the insurance. So why don't you take this back and figure out how to how to turn this into an insurance product? So the the genesis genesis of it wasn't really us; it was our investors kind of telling us that would be a more interesting thing to work on. Um, so I. Uh, it took me like six months to kind of work out the kinks on, on moving forward on that. Uh, but in 2018, I ended up quitting my job at Mercer and then launching Stable full-time. Got it. So so in terms of um, you know how Stable fits into the overall insurtech landscape or the commercial auto landscape, maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about that. What we try to do, and we've realized this is kind of now broadening out to commercial auto overall, but maybe focusing in on Rideshare to start with, Rideshare as a platform and a, and a data creator has been around for about a decade now. So it's a somewhat mature um, uh, entity that, is, that has allowed uh, underwriters to start looking at the data that's being produced, uh, but it's still producing data in real time in, in um, larger and larger uh, amounts. So what we try to do is rather than focusing primarily on the historical losses um, and knowing that, um, especially with fleets, like the driver today looks nothing like the driver pool that they had a year ago, two years ago, or seven years ago. Um, so focusing on the current drivers in that pool and the data that's being generated today rather than the data that was generated yesterday with different drivers. So really trying to underwrite and rate in real time uh, and then solve for issues that we're seeing with these fleets. So this, there's a, a real issue within the mobility space right now in particular um, where the same problem we had as a fleet, like this, the insurance was holding us back um, on from unlocking growth uh, within our own company or within the space. Um, and we see this more and more, I think, across commercial auto as new types of mobility pop up um, or as older types of commercial auto. Like we love to use the example of like flower delivery. Like those are starting to onboard onto platforms like Uber and Lyft. So logistic platforms that are creating the same amount of data as an Uber or Lyft. Um, those, like if you want to unlock those types of mobility or new services, um, there really isn't an insurance product that's solving for that right now um, in, a, in a meaningful way. Um, and so that's the approach that we've taken is we're really trying to use this new data, um, use it in real time, uh, use technology to automate a lot of the processes, um, but then use that all to create products that are going to allow fleets and new mobility companies to unlock growth in their sector. Okay. And, and, and so how does how does real-time underwriting work in effect? I mean, you know, I mean, if I, if one of your drivers starts, you know, going down uh, Broadway at 130 miles an hour, you know, can you shut them off right away? I mean, I realize that's an extreme example, but, you know, for, for those maybe who aren't as familiar with how that sort of, how that would work and maybe how that would uniquely work in the mobility space, could, could you, could you maybe provide some insight into that? Sure. Yeah. So it, it starts pretty small, um, and most of that is a factor of of regulatory, not concern, but they just they want to see enough data to say, hey, like if you're gonna if you're gonna segment that either type of use or that type of driver or the activity of that driver, we want to see like a meaningful piece of data behind that that shows like why that's going to or not lead to a claim in the future. Uh, we see the ability. So in, in New York, for instance, there's a there's a 
a vast difference between um, somebody who is doing uh, airport trips, so driving back and forth, dropping passengers off at, at an airport, um, and somebody who's going up and down Broadway doing like very short haul trips. Um, so um, the the frequency uh, of a claim might be higher uh, in the city um, doing those short trips, but the severity is likely going to be lower because of the um, the the speeds that they're driving at. Um, and it's the inverse with somebody who's doing the airport trips uh, on a freeway. So um, looking at that activity and saying, okay, we should be rating those two things and pricing those two, uh, those two trips and, and even the miles within that trip in a different way. Um, and then like even getting it down more granular to say, okay, if that airport trip is happening at the night, at night versus the day, or even worse during dusk uh, or dawn where the sun might be in that person's eyes, seeing which direction they're actually traveling on the freeway at that point. Um, the technology exists now to make that all happen. It's kind of getting the regulators on board to say, okay, we can, we can price in this way and we can also do it without a human involved. So we can automate it to make it cost effective. Cause that's one of the other issues that I think a lot of incumbents have is they can't cost effectively do this right now, both the data collection and the automation to make that a, a meaningful product. Yeah. Um, Little little bit of a left turn here, but in terms of the continued growth of InsureTech and sort of the development of an ecosystem that enables um, startups to have the best chance of thriving, besides the things you just described, you know, do you see anything like as a as a as a founder and someone who has made it this far, you know, are there other things that you sort of wish were out there or or other resources beyond the things that um, that are out there that, that you have taken advantage of or wish maybe more people knew about? Yeah. I've always like thought there was a pretty big divide between engineer talent and, and their interest in insure tech. Um, I, I think a lot of, um, this is a heavily regulated industry. So the, the need for founders to have experience in the space and most likely come from the space, like that's real and needed. Um, but sometimes I'll just see like an insure tech that, you know, is maybe hiring out to, uh, for development talent. Um, I, I, I feel like you really need to have that, um, that, that team member um, that both knows insurance, but then you need another team member that, that's pretty high up um, and hopefully on the co-founding team uh, that also has like the engineering background. Um, and once you have those things, like if you can build a community around that, that would be, I think that would solve a lot of problems maybe with insure techs and maybe some of the traction issues that they're having, um, whether that's fundraising or just getting more plugged into the, um, I think to the VC world that's outside of like CVC. Um, so one of like New York was pretty good about this. Like we'd have these kind of like events around FinTech and then InsureTech was always kind of underneath that. Um, I would love to see like in Hartford, for instance, like more of a focus with the InsureTech community, which is most like 99% insurance people, which is, I mean, I get like they, uh, maybe like 60-40 or 70-30 or something where we're just trying to engage the engineering community, whether that's at like UConn or, um, you know, you and I were talking the other day about the number of like um, kind of like outsourced dev shops that are that are located in Hartford um, or consultancies and like trying to figure out how to like implement maybe like a, a hack week or a hackathon weekend or something like that to solve for maybe a specific insurance problem. Um, and then get get engineers more excited about insurance and seeing like I feel like a lot of engineers like they look at insurance and they're like yeah that's really boring it's super interesting when you actually like break it down like all the data that can be compiled yeah. from it 
the lack of automation that, that goes on still today. Um, these are super interesting problem engineering problems to solve for. And I think we, as an insurance industry, do a pretty terrible job of selling that to the outside yeah. world and specifically to engineers in my mind. Yeah, no. And I think it's, um, you know, recent graduates and, 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 and those coming out of school with data science degrees or other things in engineering, I think it's the same thing. And there's just, you know, such a sandbox to play with from a data point of view that uh, there should be a way to sell that. So, um, you know, we're coming up on time here. You've been very generous with your time. Is there anything else you would want to share that we haven't covered or any other key points you'd like to make before we wrap up? No, I mean, maybe just like kind of reiterating, like in our mind, like, you know, the, the, and I think this can apply to other types of um, other parts of uh, insurance, not just commercial auto. Um, there's, I mean, you know, DNO has been in the news recently, right? For for now, becoming pretty terrible, like after COVID. Um, so, you know, when thinking about, I guess, how to improve um, the economics of whatever part of the insurance industry you're in. And I think there's been a ton of focus on distribution and very slick distribution. And and a lot of companies are doing this great. So it's like, that's great that we kind of solve for that. Um, I feel like now we're getting to the part of insure tech where it's going to get a little meatier and we're going to say like, okay, like now I've written all these policies and I've, I've, you know, I'm close to blowing up my reinsurance relationship. How do I solve for the loss ratio now um, or the expense side of it or the defense side of it? Um, and that I think we're going to get we're going to see some really interesting things pop up. And, and you know, we're, we're trying to solve for that. I think there's a lot of other uh, startups solving for that as well. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how the next like five to 10 year, uh, 10 years unfolds uh, handling that. All right. Great. Well, um, really appreciate your time again and your insights that you shared. And uh, congrats on your progress and, um, you know, wish you all the best going forward. Thanks, Josh. That's great being on. Yeah. So again, it's Douglas Ramon, and he is co-founder and CEO of Stable Insurance. And thanks again, Doug. Thanks. Thanks.